Good morning. It's Tuesday, April 27th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. This year began with a series of shootings in the U.S. Groups of people were shot dead in Georgia, Colorado, and in Indiana. Many public officials and activists are calling for tighter gun restrictions at the same time that gun sales are growing. And now the Supreme Court is taking a case which could loosen gun control measures. Let's start by talking about gun sales, which are on pace to set a record this year. NPR looked at FBI data of instant background checks. Those are required for firearms retailers. In March, nearly 4.7 million background checks were done. That's a jump of 1 million from the year before. It's not new to see gun sales rise after a mass shooting or in times of political unrest. But what is new is who is purchasing these guns. The National Shooting Sports Foundation tells NPR this year, 40% of customers have been first-time buyers. Most of these new buyers are getting handguns, not shotguns commonly used for hunting. And now the Supreme Court is set to hear a major new gun control case next term. This case is a challenge to a New York law that's been on the books for a century. It says anyone who wants a permit to carry a concealed weapon has to demonstrate a specific need for self-defense. NPR explains, after overturning handgun bans in Washington, D.C. and in Chicago, the Supreme Court declined to take up most gun rights cases over the past decade. But taking this new case is a sign the court's conservative majority appears more receptive to cases that challenge gun control laws like the one in New York. This week, the Biden administration is crossing the 100-day milestone. It's a common marker for presidents to set big goals for their first few weeks in office. And we have some stories pulled up on Apple News that are looking at how Biden is doing so far. But today, we're checking in on how the first 100 days are going for Vice President Kamala Harris. The LA Times is describing her as a highly visible partner to the president. You saw her at his side for important announcements. Her advisors say the president consulted Harris on two big decisions so far— increasing the size of the COVID-19 relief package, and withdrawing troops from Afghanistan. On the pandemic relief bill, advisors say she really pushed hard for the package to include money for frontline workers and for a $110 billion child tax credit plan. But as the LA Times points out, Harris hasn't taken on many solo tasks. Her biggest one, and one of the more politically fraught challenges this administration is facing, is addressing immigration at the southern border. The White House has put her in charge of working with Mexico and Central American countries. As the first woman of color to hold the second highest office in the nation, Harris has a symbolically important role. That role was especially clear as the U.S. watched the Derek Chauvin trial and as we keep confronting systemic racism. She told CNN, I carry a a great, great sense of responsibility, if not um, of the seriousness of the responsibility um, to to be in this position and be a voice for those who have not traditionally been in the room. After the verdict was announced, Harris and Biden spoke with George Floyd's family. She then delivered a statement alongside Biden. The president had reportedly been consulting Harris throughout the trial as he weighed outcomes and the possibility of renewed unrest across America. 
CNN says the president and vice president didn't really travel much in their first 100 days because of the pandemic, and that meant they spent more time together than their predecessors. They meet almost every day. It's a dynamic that Biden knows well because it mirrors his own experience as vice president under Barack Obama. California is headed for a recall election. This Republican-led effort to remove Governor Gavin Newsom now has enough signatures. This is going to be the second recall election in the state's history. In 2003, the state kicked out Gray Davis. Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor that year. Like the last time, there's a high-profile Republican celebrity contender. This time, it's Caitlyn Jenner. But Political explains, this recall is going to be different. That's partly because these two Republican challengers, Schwarzenegger and Jenner, are very different from each other. Politico points out Jenner's political background is a blank slate. Records show no major campaign contributions. She had little involvement with the GOP or key ballot measures. Compared to Schwarzenegger, before he ran for governor, he added political experience to his Hollywood resume. He worked in the first Bush administration and for California Governor Pete Wilson. Politico's reporting shows California is much more blue now than it was in 2003. There are now twice as many registered Democrats than Republicans there. Every statewide elected official is a Democrat, and the party is unified. Key Democrats are backing Newsom. Newsom is also going into this recall with stronger approval numbers than former Governor Gray Davis. Newsom won in a landslide, while Davis entered office with low ratings after a tough election. Plus, former President Trump is not popular in California. Jenner will have to explain to voters why she supported him. One of the last military gender barriers has been broken. At the end of last week, 53 women became Marines. They're the first group of women to do this at Camp Pendleton in California. Reuters explains how this is a big deal because the Marine Corps has been behind other branches of the military in integrating women. Just over 8% of Marines are women, roughly half the rate of the U.S. military as a whole. Previously, women recruits and drill instructors were only allowed at the boot camp at Paris Island, South Carolina. And when the Obama administration ordered all combat roles open to women— The Marine Corps was the only branch to request exceptions in certain areas, like infantry and reconnaissance, which were denied. Before you officially become a Marine, you have to go through what's called the crucible. This is a 54-hour-long test. It includes carrying recruits on your shoulders, sparring in a cage, and clearing an obstacle course. And these women cleared the crucible right alongside the men. One woman said... She was drawn to the Corps because she heard the Marines had a special brotherhood. And now she says it has a sisterhood. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're there, check out some of our audio stories. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow. 